Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. It's been an eventful few weeks for marriage in Utah. First, a federal judge struck down Utah's laws against gay marriage, including Constitutional Amendment 3, which defined marriage as only between a man and a woman. More than a 1,000 gay and lesbian couples were married across the state. Then the U.S. Supreme Court issued a stay while a ruling was appealed to the U.S. 10th Circuit Court of Appeals. Arguments are expected to begin in late February uh, in front of that court. Now, Governor Herbert has announced that Utah will not recognize marriages performed during that window. Today on the program, we're going to ask you what you think. Should we outlaw or embrace gay marriage in Utah? Who should decide, Utah voters who approved Amendment 3 or the courts? And what is the interest of the state in marriage, however defined? Our guests later in the program will include Bill Duncan, director of the Center for the Family and Society and executive director of the Marriage Law Foundation at the Sutherland Institute, and state senator and Utah Democratic Party chairman Jim DeBacchus. Right now, we bring in Utah resident Cecily Saunders-Keating. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you for having me on. Uh, you're welcome, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time. So of uh, you, of course, are right in the middle of this. I understand that you uh, you married your wife uh, during that, that window. Mm-hmm. We got married on Friday, December 20th, one of the first um, 100. Actually, we got married just a few people behind Jim, so it was exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then Jim DeBacchus married his partner as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- this, uh, it seemed out of the blue, very unexpected. Was it so for you, this ruling? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when Julie and I were Skyping each other, she mentioned it, and I pretty much guffawed and thought it was uh, not true, and I was in disbelief, and then I called the county clerk's office. It was busy, so that gave me an indication that maybe it was true. So I scooted on down there and realized it was, and called her and said, get your bum down here right now, we're doing this. Why Why right then? Were you afraid that the a window might close, as indeed it did? Absolutely. Um, absolutely afraid. I mean, I'm not, I didn't go to law school or anything, but I know enough to know that the window, we all thought actually would have been closed sooner than it was. Hmm. So we were just taking advantage. We were going to get married in August anyway. So this was something we wanted to jump on as soon as we could. So you were going to get married uh, in a church without the, um, the marriage license, or what? Uh, yeah, it would obviously just be our own private ceremony, mm-hmm. but um, this was something that we didn't foresee would happen for years, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah, especially in Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's the difference then? Uh, you know, some people would say, uh, you know, a, a, a nice wedding in, in your church or whatever ceremony you, you would like, that's, uh, that's wonderful, and, and that's, that's how it should be. Right, uh, and I and I can see that, especially if you haven't ever been in our shoes. Um, it's a pretty ethereal and intangible emotion. Um, I didn't even know how to express it until we did get that piece of paper and had it signed uh, that night, the 20th. We just were experiencing feelings that we never thought we really could, which was, wow, the state validates us. And for someone who's never been disenfranchised before, it is easy to just say, well, what's the big deal? But the big deal is these are our rights, and to feel just a little bit less disenfranchised is a big thing for someone like us. So, if you'd have only had a, uh, if you just had the marriage in in your church or whatever without the the, the marriage license, state sanction, you would have felt disenfranchised. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we would still, you know, try to. I mean, we have plenty of friends who have actually gone around the country and gotten married in states where it is legal. So that was part of our plans. Um, but why do that when we're right here in the home state and we can do it here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what, what's, 
what's the importance then of state-sanctioned marriage? Are there economic aspects? You talked about emotional aspects. What? Yeah, what no, other? I mean, there's definitely economic. Um, we just actually recently bought a house together, um, and both of us have certain little health uh, problems. So, in the foreseeable future, if any of us have, to, either one of us have to go to the hospital, we want to be able to make sure that our rights are there, guaranteed. Um, filing taxes. And, I mean, for me, though, I mean, it really does just always come down to the, the root of it, which is my rights should be just as valid as my brothers and sisters who, um, you know, have their husband or wife. Some states have a civil union. Would mm-hmm. would, would that be sufficient for you? Nope. <laughs> and and why mean, not? It, it's, it's, a, it's a stopgap measure, and I understand it, but... Uh, why placate when you can do the right thing, especially when the Supreme Court's already made their statement on it. Um, And I'm excited to see what happens. But in the interim, I feel like Governor Herbert has done exactly what he was saying he didn't want to see, which was activism. I feel like he's being an activist governor right now, and it's really disheartening to see our marriages be eradicated, as it were. So, and the state says that this is temporary; that the courts will eventually decide. But uh, you, 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 you use the word disheartened right now. Mm-hmm. I am. Uh, that's how you feel. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any real precedent for anybody to have a marriage license and have it invalidated, and it uh, it seems absolutely out of bounds. From what I understand, a stay is all right, what happened happened, and we will stop issuing licenses, and we'll go from there. But for the governor's office to put out that letter yesterday hurt my feelings, um, and he doesn't even know who I am. That's the thing. It's a personal thing, and I understand that the courts uh, need to say what they need to say, but to go above and beyond and say that basically just kidding what you did means nothing now is is disheartening, and it feels like it was ripped out of our hands, really. Hmm. What do you, what are you and your uh, your wife going to do now? We're going to call the ACLU. Um, they're the ones right now that's putting together big effort. And uh, right after I get off this call, I'm going to be calling them and seeing what we can do to get um, in tow with all of the other couples that are feeling the same way. Yeah, I understand they are filing a suit. Um, mm-hmm. So, what do you what do you think is going to happen? I guess the Tenth Circuit will obviously is taking the case. They'll rule this. This may eventually get to the Supreme Court. Would you like to see a Supreme Court ruling on this? Um, you know, the Supreme Court now is filled with people that I don't necessarily agree with all of their opinions, but I think that they can make the right choice um, in the end. And I, I'm a realist and also an optimist. So I believe in the end it's going to work out. But until then, being silent does nothing, and it doesn't help anybody's cause, and so that's why we're going to fight it. Would you, I guess you could accelerate matters, go to a state that, uh, that, that would sanction your marriage and then Agreed. get married Agreed. there. we could. Um, at the same time, um, working from within our home state, we both have been raised here, uh, helps the momentum here as well. And, you know, riding the momentum, I think, is very important. Um, to help everybody, you know, we've had plenty of friends that this has actually affected. We've had, I can count on, you know, both my hands, the num- number of people that have gotten married and now are in the same exact position that we are in. Hmm. Uh, what do you think the movement is? Uh, nationally, it seems to be moving in your direction. What, mm-hmm. what about Utah? Well, this is so such a curveball. Um, I think that 
some people are digging their heels in. They feel like the Amendment 3 vote is the end statement and nothing will change. But look at 1967 with Loving v. Virginia when um, interracial marriage was finally validated. Um, basically using the same arguments that Judge Shelby used, uh, I get that state rights, states' rights are important, but sometimes the majority should not be the ones making the rulings. That's why we have checks and balances. That's why we have courts to answer questions that are uh, touchy like this. Do you equate this movement, gay rights movement, to the civil rights movement? Yes, yes, I do. Um, so uh, maybe expand on that a little bit. Do you, do you think it's going to move in the same direction? Um, well... I am Caucasian, so I have actually really no right to be completely um, trying to make the analogous statement there. But I do believe that whatever ends up being right, just, and fair is always going to win. It might take years. It might take weeks. And I really hope that the prejudices that are against um, people that have, you know, gender identity issues or have, uh, you know, um, who are LGBTQ will eventually be part of the traditional quote-unquote fabric of society, just as much as there is no question in my mind, if I were to walk down the street and there's an interracial couple, I would never even think in my mind that that's an interracial couple. They're just normal parts of society, as so we should be. Now, uh, coming up later in the program, we're going to have a debate between Senator Bacchus and, and Bill Duncan. Um, I'm guessing Bill Duncan is going to say that uh, social science has, has shown that uh, the best place to raise children, for one example, is in a traditional family. I wonder what you think about that. Uh, well, I can tell you that there are a lot of different studies that go back and forth with that. And then you could just start to think, let's use some logic. So are you saying single-parent families are not good? Uh, are you saying divorce is bad? Well guess what? It's still allowed. We still have it. There's still the right to be a single parent. There's still a right to be divorced. So that should, I mean, that to me is, that's the last little vestige that anybody could have as far as the argument goes. Um, I think people are just grasping at straws at this point, and they want to find a way to validate their prejudices. I'm curious about uh, maybe social situations and what change, if any, has happened over the past several years you uh, you know you go to a party or whatever with mm-hmm. you, with your now wife um, mm-hmm. and now you know you announce her as you, as your wife mm-hmm. and, and she you but uh, before that we're you know we're together yeah what, what's the reaction um, I can tell you it's been absolutely transcendent I went to BYU and I would have never done this radio conversation with you um, a decade ago and here I am now completely open about it because. I've realized that the more I'm open, the more people are going to be open and receptive as well. So as soon as Julie and I were able to get married, we went to both of our family's houses. She comes from a very strong Catholic family. I come from nine-generation LDS family. And both families welcomed and accepted us with open, loving arms. And to me, that is a real test to show, look, what we're doing, we're not doing any of this. Uh, because of you or in spite of you, we're not trying to make any sort of point that would hurt your relationship or crush any sort of traditional definition of marriage. We're doing this because we love each other, and we should have that right. Hmm. We're uh, just about the end of the segment. I want to circle back to the scene. It, it, I saw it on television. It must have been quite the scene there at the, uh, what was it, the county clerk's office? Uh-huh. Um, what, uh, t- 
tell me a little bit about that day. Oh my goodness, it was uh, it was palpable. The feeling, the energy of love, um, excitement, just cheers were going on and on. It was like uh, I I don't know if you've ever been to Vegas in uh, New Year's. It's kind of how it felt walking in the strip. Just so much energy, but this was um, something to behold. And you know, pictures and videos can't really do it that much justice. Uh, those who were involved can explain it probably better than I can, but I can tell you when we walked out with our uh, our marriage licenses in hands, um, Julie and I just felt overwhelmed and we couldn't hold back our tears, and I think everybody else kind of felt the same way. Hmm. Were you uh, two married right there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Walked out of the clerk's office, I yelled to the crowd, who wants to marry us? And it was like a cartoon. There were so many people pointing in all these different directions. And we happened upon um, a wonderful woman by the name of Patty Willis. She's a reverend at the Unitarian Church. And she and her partner had just gotten married. So she was able to marry us. <laughs> and we didn't have really prepared anything. We happened to have some friends there. To, uh, our, my sister-in-law, Crystal, and my friends, Joel and Tanya, were there to uh, be the witnesses. It was a very small gathering for us. But really, when it felt, it felt like a big group marriage because there were just so many people there, um, you know, lots of cameras and whatnot. But aside from that, it was just a, a group feeling of elation and joy and disbelief. Well, I guess as it goes forward, we'll all become legal experts. Uh, it, and <laughs> you, you especially, uh, looking very carefully at the uh, the cases that go, goes to the Tenth Circuit. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for uh, hey, for being you, with Tom. us, Cecily Saunders Keating, who uh, married her wife Julie. Uh, on on that first day, on December 20th. Um, and uh, coming up following a break, we're going to be talking with State Senator Jim DeBacchus and uh, Bill Duncan, who is Executive Director of the Marriage Law Foundation at the Sutherland Institute. We'll get into some uh, back-and-forth discussion on this, and we'd love for you to join the discussion. Love to get your perspective. And there are three ways you can do that. You can call us at 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. Or you can join us by email. The email address is upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Or you can go to our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. And we already have a comment from April. I'll read that as we go along. And several people have liked our post. You can comment there as well. Much more on this subject, talking about gay marriage in Utah. It's been a, an eventful a few weeks, a roller coaster ride. We're going to be talking about these substantive arguments for and against with Senator DeBacchus and with Bill Duncan following this break. On From the Top, we don't just put young people on the show to hear their incredible musical performances. We celebrate the whole kid. We're all members of the Vermont Astronomical Society, and uh, we've also gotten really into building telescopes. I run cross-country, and I run track. Well, I'll eat anything as long as it's not looking at me as, and as long as it's not moving around. I believe the correct term is math stud. Join me, Christopher O'Reilly, to meet America's most outstanding young musicians on From the Top each week from NPR. Friday afternoons at 2, repeated Sunday nights at 9 on Utah Public Radio. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Krim Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan, open Monday through Saturday until 3, offering lunch items including a three-cheese panini with a rosemary orange chutney and cranberry jalapeno chicken salad. Also by USU Human Resources. 
You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and today we're talking about gay marriage in Utah. It's been an eventful few weeks for marriage in general in Utah. First federal judge, I think this was December uh, 20th, might have been the 19th, struck down Utah's laws against gay marriage, including Constitutional Amendment 3. More than 1,000 gay and lesbian couples were married across the state. Then the U.S. Supreme Court issued a stay while the ruling was appealed to the U.S. 10th Circuit Court of Appeals. Now Governor Herbert has announced that Utah will not recognize marriages performed during that window. We uh, talked with Utah resident Cecily Saunders-Keating, who married her wife Julie during that window earlier in the program. Now we bring in uh, Senator uh, Jim DeBacchus, who's also chairman of the Utah Democratic Party. Welcome to the program, Senator. Do we have the senator? Welcome to the program. Well, we'll have to uh, try to see if we can establish his line a little better. Bill Duncan joins us, director of the Center for the Family and Society and executive director of the Marriage Law Foundation at the Sutherland Institute. Uh, do we have you? I, I'm here. Okay. Great. We'll, we'll have to get the senator uh, back. Um, so uh, I wanted to get the reaction from both of you. I'll obviously start with you. Uh, what was your initial reaction to the uh, to the federal ruling? Well, obviously, we were disappointed. The uh, you know, the, there's nothing in the U.S. Constitution that requires the, the, that allows, I should say, the federal courts to uh, determine what the marriage laws of the different states will be. And so that was uh, I was disappointed that Judge Shelby would have gone beyond uh, that constitutional authority. But um, uh, you know, at this point, that's the great uh, you know part of our legal system is there, there's always a chance for an appeal, so that uh, you know, so that any errors can be corrected. And we're hopeful that that will be a uh, you know, effective going forward. Uh, so uh, Judge Shelby ruled on um, 14th Amendment grounds, due process and equal protection. You, I take it you disagree with that uh, use of the 14th Amendment. Right. Well, I, the 14th Amendment certainly applies, and uh, it's the, it's the uh, way that the Constitution applies the, uh, <clears throat> what we think of as the constitutional rights that guarantee the citizens against the states. Uh, you know, prevents the states from infringing on those. The the thing is that those 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 terms are not meant to be elastic terms that judges pour meaning into. They're supposed to be they're supposed to have set meanings, and that's uh, sort of a key to our concept in the United States of the rule of law. That uh, it's, it's you know we're governed by laws and rather rather than by men by individual uh, uh, you know, preferences. So. Um, you know, we, we my my argument would be that uh, the 14th Amendment does guarantee certain rights, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't create uh, rights that are not um, not either specified in the text of the Constitution or clearly uh, attributable to the Constitution, as would be evident in the history and tradition of our nation. And I think uh, you know Judge Shelby's ruling defines marriage in a certain sort of uh, atypical way, and then says, well, you know, we've always valued that, and so it must be part of our history, but that's not the way the Supreme Court has encouraged, or, or directed, I should say, the lower courts to uh, determine whether something is uh, um, violates the due process clause. And so I think it, it just used precisely the wrong test. Um, I want to move to uh, marriage itself and uh, the state's interest, uh, state uh, talking broadly, you know, government interest in sanctioning marriage, um, what what is that interest? What if you could talk a bit about that? And and then uh, the definition that that has been a traditional definition: marriage between a man and a woman. Sure. Well, that that's really the key question, and it's one that surprisingly the the court decision didn't address very much. Um, 
to, to the degree you can tell from the opinion, it appears that Judge Shelby's feeling is that the state is, is interested in marriage as a way of the government giving uh, kind of its stamp of approval on various adult relationships. And that doesn't strike me as being a good explanation for why uh, marriage has been very consistent across across all really really recorded time and 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 uh, recorded history. Pardon me, and and uh, across various cultures, understood as bringing together a man and a woman specifically. And uh, although there, there are many individual interests, with pe- why people want to get married, the, the the role of government in there is not well explained by those more emotional or uh, personal interests. They have to do with uh, things that, that I think we, we would think of as essential to, the, as the Supreme Court would say, essential to our system of ordered liberty. And I think uh, pr- the, the key element there is going to be thinking about the, the, the great reality that men and women are both necessary. Every child that's born to the world has a mother and father. So how do we uh, encourage that without limiting people's freedom but encouraging uh, a relationship that's going to provide mothers and fathers for children and legal recognition of that unit as opposed to any other kind of uh, still valuable but different uh, kind of relationship. No, uh, in today's world, can't uh, you know? Can't good child rearing happen with you know a gay couple raising children, single mothers raising children? It's it seems like there's all different kinds of families. Sure, it's absolutely possible, and uh, and we certainly honor anyone who's a good parent. I think the the key key element here is when the state uh, when the state has to determine what the meaning of marriage is. They're not working from a blank slate. In other words, they're not just thinking this up from the beginning. They're 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 accepting a a long tradition. I mean, a, a almost universal uh, recognition of marriage across time and cultures. And uh, they have to. It's important for us to understand why would why would that possibly be? It can, it can't be because the government's trying to sort of hold a parenting contest and say, hey, anybody who does a good job gets in here. Um, it, it, there has there has to be a, a better explanation than that, and I think that recognizing the unique relationship of men and women who alone can produce children and and provide for children uh, the day to day contact with both a mother and father, I, I think that's a much better explanation for why uh, the government would be involved in the first place. Let's bring in uh, Senator Jim DeBacchus, who's also chairman of the Utah Democratic Party. We had some phone issues. Apologize for that, Senator. Uh, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning. Always a pleasure to be here. So I, I uh, think you were able to catch at least the tail end of uh, what Bill Duncan was saying. We're, we also are joined by Bill Duncan, who's director of the Center for Family and Society and executive director of the Marriage Law Foundation at Sutherland uh, Institute. And I asked uh, Bill Duncan, I'll ask you the same question. What is the state's, talking government in general, what is the government's interest in in sanctioning marriage? That's a good question. You know, I uh, I was in my office and uh, somebody came running in and said uh, Amendment 3 has been declared unconstitutional and the state was not smart enough to ask for a stay in their original pleadings and that therefore Marriages were being allowed, and marriage licenses were being given out by the county clerk. So I called Mayor Becker and said, Ralph, can you marry us? And he said, sure, when? And I said, 20 minutes. And then I said to my partner of 27 years, quick, get a suit and tie on and meet me in the county clerk's. I got a surprise for you. So we got down there, and there were a few dozen people 
And as word spread, it became dozens and then hundreds and eventually 13, 1400 people. You know, we really are a family state. And while some have this narrow idea of Ozzy and Harriet, and maybe that is ideal, but the rest of us live in the real world. And there's divorce, and there's spousal death, and there's problems. And so to take all of these gay families, and it was such an incredible event. I mean, there were... Uh, men and women who had been in in loving relationships for 20 or 30 years, and then there were young families with babes in arms, and it was a tidal wave of children running around. They were all excited, because right now, due to the Southern Institute and people that have their kind of philosophy, it is illegal for a gay couple to have joint custody of children. So you end up with this terrible situation um, where... One parent or the other has to pick. They're both not legally uh, intertwined with their own children. We had a terrible situation where uh, a couple had an eight-year-old. The child, uh, one of the, the custodial parent died, and the, the child, of course, had to face the, the, the shock of losing the only parent that uh, they'd ever had. And then the state came in and said, as a result of the Sutherland Institute and their family values thinking, you know what, that is a legal stranger, that other partner who had been there every day of the life of that child. And the state took the child, at least temporarily, and put it into state custody. Hmm. And the other partner could not even ask for custody, because the, the state specifically says, due to the thinking of the Sutherland Institute, that that is a legal stranger. Mm. What they're doing is trying to destroy families. Let's get a read. What they're trying uh, to do is harm families. It's not a good thing for our culture. Let's get a response from uh, from Bill Duncan. Uh, and you're, you're hearing you're hearing these you hear these stories. This is uh, some some real harm, at least from the point of view of, of these couples. That's happening because of a definition of of marriage. What's your response? Well, I appreciate, appreciate the chance to respond. It's kind of an outlandish charge that the Sutherland Institute has uh, has uh, separated people from uh, their parents uh, uh, without, of course, any any real proof. Um, let me let me respond this way: the um, every child that's born in the world has a mother and father, and same-sex marriage is sends a powerful message, one that most I think Utahns are still not comfortable with, that mothers and fathers are essentially interchangeable parts in a family and that neither is important to children. And I think that that's, uh, that's a message we're not comfortable with. We can certainly affirm the right of anybody to live uh, and make choices the way they would like, but to take the force of law and to say that the force of law has to be put behind this really radical notion that uh, mothers and fathers are neither one is essential for children, that's, that's, uh, that's really going much further than, than any, any notion of civility or appropriateness requires. And uh, we have to be responsible as a society for dealing with the, the, the reality of procreation, the reality that every child has a mother and father. And how do we figure out a way while still preserving some, um, some semblance of, of uh, uh, freedom and order 
to encourage those who create children to be responsible for them. Not children as commodities that we purchase, but children as beings who have their own rights just by virtue of being born. Mm -hmm. Let me get Senator Backus, yes. a great lack of understanding to say that gay people and gay families and gay children are, it's some kind of a commodity relationship. I mean, I challenge that. I know gay families. I dare you to get between uh, a gay uh, a gay pair, a couple and and their child. I mean, they're some of the most loving, caring, decent, responsible people I know. And for you to just kind of whisk your hand and indict uh, people because it doesn't fit your philosophical uh, definition of what a family should be, well, there's plenty of families out there that don't meet mine. But we're talking here about civil law. We're not talking about religious ordinances. We're talking about the ability of the state to regulate its citizens. And I believe that Judge Shelby hit it right. I believe the Supreme Court is going to agree in this kind of uh, inane uh, fundraising kind of effort that the Sutherland Institute is involved in to divide our community Let me, before I go back to uh, Bill Duncan, let me uh, reintroduce our guests and invite you to join this conversation. If you have a question or comment, would love to hear from you. It's been a very eventful few weeks in Utah, and uh, and this, of course, will continue as this moves to the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals and then possibly to the U.S. Supreme Court. We're talking right now with uh, Senator Jim DeBacchus, who's also uh, chairman of the Utah Democratic Party. And we're talking with Bill Duncan, who is with the Sutherland Institute. Uh, And we'd love to get your perspective. Uh, Three ways you can join us. You can call us at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. You can join us by email to upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. Or you can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. And uh, we have... uh, Oh, about 20 minutes left, a little under, for you to get your comment in. In fact, uh, let's take a break right now. When we come back, I have a Facebook comment, which has some very thoughtful, uh, interesting points, which would be jumping off point, I think, for further discussion. This is from April on our Facebook page. You can join us there as well. Back after a brief break. Did you know that there is a shortage of special education teachers in Utah? Based on the Bell School District Superintendent Survey, there is a greater need for teachers of young children with severe disabilities and mild-moderate disabilities from preschool through high school than teachers in any other field. Did You Know That is made possible by the USU Emma Eccles Jones College of Education and Human Services. More at cehs.usu.edu. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members, and Krupp Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan. Open Monday through Saturday until 3, offering a Jewish rye, polenta cheese bread, and a ciabatta sandwich buns. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're responding to events, tumultuous events in Utah. Uh, Over the past several weeks, first, a federal judge struck down Utah's bans against gay marriage, including Constitutional Amendment 3, which defined marriage as only between a man and a woman. More than a 1,000 gay and lesbian couples were married across the state. 
including Senator Jim DeBacchus and his partner, and our guest earlier in the program, Cecily Saunders-Keating and, uh, and her wife. Um, and uh, then the uh, U.S. Supreme Court issued a stay as the ruling was appealed to the U.S. Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. We understand that's going to be expedited, and uh, in legal terms, that's still a, a ways out, but the argument's uh, late February. And this may go to the Supreme Court, though likely not during this session. Then uh, the latest news, Governor Herbert has announced that Utah will not recognize marriages performed during that window. We're asking you, should we outlaw or embrace gay marriage in Utah? What is the state's interest in defining marriage? How should marriage be defined and who should decide? Utah voters who approved Amendment 3 or the courts? And uh, again, we're talking with Bill Duncan, director of the Center for Family and Society and executive director of the Marriage Law Foundation at the Sutherland Institute, and State Senator Jim DeBacchus, who's also chairman of the Utah Democratic Party. Again, the number to call is 1-800-826-1495, and uh, you can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page and by email to upraxcess at gmail.com. Um, here is uh, an email from April on our Facebook, well, not an email, but a post on our Facebook page. Um, it, it's a little bit lengthy, but I'll read this. I'll go to uh, Mr. Duncan first, just so you know where I'm going. Uh, she says, personally, I think that any two consenting adults should be able to receive the legal benefits that marriage entails, and I think that should be the end of it. I think no religion or lack thereof should have uh, the dominating say on what marriage is. I know our belief systems in Utah are often somewhat similar, but I genuinely think that uh, there's no inherent difference between gays and straights, just like there are no inherent differences in the humanity between Asians and blacks and whites. It's all our perception. So when consenting adults decide they want to join together and receive legal rights with each other, including adoption, visitation rights in the hospital, insurance coverage, and buying a house together, there should also be no difference, so long as the government does not require individual religions to perform the marriage based on their religious doctrines. Uh, Bill Duncan, what do you make of April's uh, comment? What's your response? Uh, well, um, it's, uh, it's, it relies on a kind of an interesting understanding of marriage as, as being basically all of those kinds of uh, uh, what we really call the incidents of marriage. Those things certainly could be extended more broadly without uh, changing the definition of marriage and all that that entails. I think it's interesting that the Senator's comments and and, uh, and and some of these others as well seem to jump in towards uh, kind of accusations of, you know, uh, religious groups forcing their way or the Sutherland Institute doing this thing and that thing. And uh, we still haven't, I think, uh, gotten a, a good uh, sense of what the government's interest, what the state's interest, what the public interest is in in marriage, if marriage is nothing more than a, a way of valorizing uh, adult choices about their relationships, and 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 I, I guess the concern uh, that uh, that I feel like is this: um, na- the, the the public discussion we're having certainly very valuable in many ways, but uh, it needs to grapple with the the, the reality that children are entitled to uh, a relationship with their own mother and father wherever possible, and uh, it's it's appropriate to say that some cases that won't happen. That's uh, that's that's a reality. But that doesn't that doesn't give us the answer to what uh, the state of Utah or any state needs to do in order to make that more likely to happen. Mm. And our position is is actually pretty simple. If we say that it's not an ideal anymore, then it's less likely to happen. If we say it's still an ideal, even when some of us are going to fall short, it's more likely to happen. I don't think that's all that. Uh, I don't think that's that should be all that threatening to those who may see things differently. 
Senator DeBacchus, your, your response to April and, and to Bill Duncan. You know, I just I wonder what happens. Put yourself in the attorney general's office or the governor's office yesterday. We've gone through this. We have seen these fabulous Utah citizens with their families, with their children. The children now having the stability and honor of having two parents that care about them and love them. That's good for a child to understand that there is that stability in the relationship. It's like the state wants to say, no, you know, we would rather have you without that stability. We'd rather have you promiscuous. We'd rather have you just shacking up. So we saw, we saw that miracle of those 1,300 people run, run, because they have been waiting, some of them, for many, many years. They received their civil marriage. And then the governor gets up with the attorney general, looks at the polls, and not the polls of the state, because the polls of the state show dramatic move toward marriage equality, but looks at the polls of the very conservative members of the of the caucus, and the governor goes, Becky Lockhart's going to run against me. I've got to get out there and make a political statement. So he destroys the families, announces it yesterday. It's over. And I'm wondering, is there are there fist pumps? When you look at Utah families and you look at their children and you look at 2,600 incredibly happy people and thousands of others and hundreds of children who had 17 days of putting their heads down on a pillow knowing they had two loving legal parents, and when you destroy those, is it a good day when you're the governor? Do you go, yeah, I got something done good that day? I mean, I just don't understand the mentality that says, we don't want committed, loving couples who are raising children in many cases to have the civil approval of our civil marriages. I don't get it. They're off with some kind of philosophical bent, and it's just wrong. Let's bring in our first caller, Mel, in Leverkin. Mel, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yes, I'm kind of curious about uh, uh, this Amendment 3. Do you have a copy of it in front of you, Tom? I don't, but I can pull it up here quickly, and I'm okay, sure I'm sure our believe, guests are very familiar with it. Yeah, I do believe it says marriage is between one man and one woman. And since that was approved and then repealed, and it, we don't know where it's going to go just yet, but what is that going to do for our friends down in Colorado City that have two or three women and one man? What, what's that going to do to those people? Uh, let's see, I've got it in front of me, just so before we go to our guests. Marriage consists only of the legal union between a man and a woman. And the second clause, no other domestic union, however denominated, may be recognized as a marriage or given the same substantially equivalent legal effect. So uh, let's go first to Bill Duncan on, on uh, Mel's point there. Bill, you can have that one. <laughs> well, when, the, uh, when, the, when Judge Shelby struck down Amendment 3, he did so only uh, on its, uh, the element of uh, requiring a husband and wife. And so uh, there's no direct uh, implication that I could see for uh, the laws regulating polygamy, which are actually contained in a different uh, portion of the code anyway. Uh, if, I could, if I could just be allowed to respond to, again, another really startling claim that yes, there's go ahead. this desire to destroy families. and I, I, that, that's, uh, It's hard to know how to respond to, a th- to, to an accusation like that, and I worry that this has been descending consistently into ad hominem the kinds of attacks rather than uh, engaging uh, the, the reality that, you know, even tr- the children that we're talking about that uh, are, are said to have 
two legal parents now married. They had two parents when they were born. And the question is, are we, gonna, are we going to um, you know, recognize that and, and, uh, and, and honor that in the law, or are we going to say, well, actually, uh, marriage is just what adults want. It doesn't have much to do with what, what uh, children's relationship with their mother and father. That, that's a sort of a side issue. But if that fits with what uh, some adults want to have, hey, that's great. Uh, and and uh, you know, I, don't, I don't feel like we're really engaging that question uh, so far, and, and perhaps that's you know that's not that important to philosophically. I'm so I, I suspect sorry, the argument for same-sex marriage uh, d- doesn't feel or or, or, or d- requires. Uh, uh, so, let me let me just interrupt, uh, Senator Bacchus. Sounds like he's responding. Uh, please wait, Senator, and we'll we'll get you a full right. response. Go ahead, Mr. Duncan. Sure. Well, and, and so you know, I, I mean, I don't I have any idea of the motives of various politicians. I have very little interest in in, in what those are. Uh, but but uh, again, I, it just it seems like it uh, it staggers belief to think that the reason that virtually all cultures across time have understood marriage as the union of a husband and wife, as opposed to other, any other kind of relationship, it is merely because there's some kind of cross-cultural, trans-historical conspiracy to harm people. That that's not a good explanation. It's not a plausible explanation for the situation we have now. And, uh, and questions about the motives of individual politicians or whatever, they don't get us any closer to understanding that, you know, really startling universality of the marriage institution. Let's, uh, Senator, I'll, I'll give you time to respond to what Mr. Duncan's been saying. First of all, I wonder if you would respond to this email. Um, this is this really is interesting. This is from uh, Hillary and Hiram, uh, who oh, says. I thought you were talking about the previous. Oh, oh no, no. Uh, okay. the, the, you could respond to that one as well. But if you'd respond to this one and then then respond to what Mr. Duncan's been saying, uh, this is from Hillary and Hiram, and Mr. Duncan will give you a chance to respond, of course, as well. Uh, Hillary and Hiram, the state of Utah is irresponsible in spending millions of dollars to fight for an unconstitutional amendment when the money could be spent on schools. I assume you agree with that. I agree, and you What's know. That? Mr. Duncan just can't understand. How can I get emotional? Yeah. How can I say this about the governor? Look, my partner and I were together for 27 years. We didn't run off to other states. Utah's our home. We love it here. This is where our values are. This is where we are. And I am all, I didn't say what is the governor's motivation other than what was going through his mind as he destroyed or attempted to destroy and actually effectively destroyed those marriages yesterday. Was it a good feeling? Did he feel, oh, yeah, I did something good for those families. I took away one of their partners. I took away their insurance. I took away the recognition of the state that this is a, that this is a relationship. I mean, excuse me for taking it personally, but if somebody marched in and grabbed your wedding certificate and said your relationship wasn't valid, and babble, and then sent out, this is what kills me about the organization uh, that Mr. Duncan works for, they're, they're using this to send out fundraising letter after fundraising letter after fundraising letter and making money off of dividing our community, and from my perspective, splitting up families. I, I, I think it's shameless, and and say as you will, I would hope the Sutherland Institute would stop calling themselves pro-family, because when you advocate for the breakup of 
1,300 legal families with many children. I don't know how you can describe that as pro-family. Uh, let me follow up, Senator, before I go back to Bill Duncan. Uh, the Sutherland Institute, I think, is the, and Bill Duncan's been saying that uh, since every child has a mother and a father, um, we, we ought to acknowledge that. Uh, what, what about the philosophical argument that, that that ought to be the gold standard definition for a family is, is mom, dad, and, and kids? Well, you know, there's a lot of, this is not 1892. I mean, there is surrogacy, there are all, if you want to say, if your philosophy says, you know what, it's best to have uh, a mother and father, the father working outside of the home, the mother staying at home and taking care of the kids, and they have 4.3 kids and they got a good house out in the suburbs. If that's what your definition is and you put it back to the Bible, that historically that's what it was, hey, I got no problem with it. Say it. But to come in with a full force of the law and order every family to match up to your kind of fantasy expectations of the 1950s America and say families that don't meet up to your expectations ought not to be recognized, and the children that they are raising, whether you like it or not, ought to be treated as second-class citizens in the state of Utah, is wrong. And it's it's reprehensible, actually. Let me give uh, Bill Duncan a chance to respond. Uh, ju- just uh, about a minute, uh, Mr. Duncan, we're running out of time. Sure, sure. Well, again, a lot of a lot of uh, overheated comments, but uh, very little light on the subject at hand. I, I guess we're concerned that uh, we would not want to have to face children deprive the relationship with their mother and father because of adult choices and tell them we didn't care because, uh, you know, that was, that was going to cause discomfort to others. That, that's, that's the nature, unfortunately, of our uh, world, that uh, there's going to be exceptional circumstances we deal with, but we don't change the ideal on, on that basis. And uh, I, I do feel badly that the senator feels uh, so personally hurt uh, by that. I, I think I can understand. Uh, if I was in his position, I suppose I'd feel the same way. Uh, I would I would suggest that uh, there's there's more constructive ways of uh, of dealing with that uh, than to you know lash out at to those you disagree with. But uh, that's you know that's going to be in the nature I think of uh, uh, issue with, that brings out such strong feelings. Senator, I have a couple of comments I want to address to you, and, and I'll ask you to be very brief. We're running out of time. Um, Stephen uh, on our Facebook page says there's nothing redeeming about the same gender. So there's there's this comment. And uh, let's see, um, this is from uh, Richard on our Facebook page. This is my opinion of Governor Herbert in his position. State won't recognize gay marriages. We have learned by sad experience that it is the nature and disposition of almost all men. As soon as they get a little authority, they suppose they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. He's uh, quoting LDS scripture there. Uh, he's not re- representing all citizens of Utah. He's representing uh, his religious views. Ali uh, says same-sex couples wishing to marry are not demanding that religious entities perform these marriages. We just want to be considered full citizens. Being legally married gives the same benefits and rights without traditional uh, couples. So just uh, we have another comment we're even leaving aside due to time. Just 30 seconds, Senator. Uh, I'll, I'll wrap up. And uh, Mr. Duncan, I apologize if you thought I was lashing out. I always talk like this. We could be talking about uh, school lunch programs or how to fix a flat tire. It's just I'm effusive. So don't take anything personally. I have strong feelings. And I put them out there. And somebody comes after my marriage, you're right. I might have a strong opinion, and I suspect you would as well. Uh, yeah, let's see. Let me... Um... Let's extend the program just by a minute. I want to get this uh, comment in. 
This is from Corey in Clearfield. It says, I choose to respect the person and don't identify them with their behavior, but when that person's behavior is wrong and they seek to punish and demand uh, that their behavior be accepted by everyone, I take a stand. I say no to gay marriage. Wrong behavior is still wrong, no matter how many begin to accept it. Uh, so those are the comments from our listeners. This conversation can continue. And... Um, we have this comment from uh, Tiffany and Logan. I'll just get this in. This will be the last word. <laughs> um, I'm so sick of hearing people say, hey, we don't agree with your relationship, but we mean that in the most compassionate way possible. By denying equal rights, you're not being compassionate. Plain and simple. This is a civil rights issue. Utah is in direct violation of providing fair and equal rights to all of its citizens. Thank you to everyone who has responded. You can continue that response on our Facebook page and by email. Our thanks to Bill Duncan from Southern Institute and uh, to uh, Senator Jim DeBacchus. Thank you so much to both of you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. And uh, thanks to uh, producer today, Addison Pace. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. Utah Public Radio presents StoryCorps, an oral history project in conjunction with the National Library of Congress, recorded in May of 2013 in St. George. Do you remember when you wanted to be a parent? Yeah, when we got married. <laughs> Not the first, maybe the first, uh, you know, few months or year even, but uh, I think after we were together for a couple of years, it was like, okay, gosh, wouldn't it be fun to share some of these experiences with a little one? We had a problem, actually, because Barry couldn't get pregnant, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't just you. I had a low sperm count. I think what the doctors tell you. Didn't ovulate. Yeah, and so... They put me on Clomid, and so I would get pregnant, and nothing worked. Nope. We didn't, uh, didn't give up. So at some point in time, we decided, you know what, maybe we can adopt, because we really, really wanted to have a child. And we didn't care if it was biologically our child. And so we went through the adoption process. We were lucky. And I've actually got copies of that paperwork now. It's really funny because I typed it all on a manual typewriter, and so it's pretty primitive looking. That's true. Lots of misspelled words. Yep. And our income was like 15000 a year between both of us. Which we thought were, we were, we were rich. Yeah, we had money. We got a call one day and come on down and check out this little baby. No, I remember she called, and her first question was, how do you feel about having a preemie baby? And I knew no difference. I thought, well, I don't know anything about a preemie baby, and it's a baby, so no problem. We went into this room. It was a tiny little room. It had, I think, one window in it. Yeah, obviously, it was a, a one-way mirror. I mean, there was people standing on the other side kind of watching us. And they said, so we're going to bring a baby into you, and we want you to take the baby's shoes off, her clothes, and everything. We want you to inspect her from head to toe because if she looks like Uncle George and you don't like Uncle George, you need to give her back. Of course, we loved her. We th- It was like, oh, yeah, sure, we're going to give this baby back. No way. But she was two pounds, two pounds, two pounds 14 ounces four, when she was born. Like She's a, she was a pretty small baby. They couldn't release her to us until she was six pounds, and she was just under six pounds. She was already three months old. And you had to be cleared by the Indian Reservation. They were just trying to get her to eat enough so that she could get up to six pounds. And we were kind of waiting day by day. I don't think she ever got to six pounds, but somebody made the decision that she was six pounds, and they called us and said, come and get her. And uh, we took her home. And uh, that was the day that I actually quit smoking. I used to smoke uh, at least a pack a day. If you've ever smoked cigarettes before, you realize that you quit 100 times. But that day, I quit. There was no reason to smoke around her. What I remember was that our seats were not mandatory at the time. So we wrapped her up, and I held her in the car, and you drove really slowly all the way from San Bernardino up to Apple Valley, which was about a 45-minute drive. But um, 
Yeah, I was just real afraid. I just wanted to drive. I didn't want anything to happen to her or you. Anyway, we got her home. First thing we did was take her to a doctor. Yeah, I took her to my doctor who had been my doctor since I was three years old. He was just a general practitioner. And the first thing he said to me was, well, no wonder she's not getting bigger. She's tongue-tied, so she couldn't suck on a bottle. And she wouldn't cry. She didn't make a lot of noise. And he said, well, that's why she's tongue-tied. So he, right there on the spot, he took a little pair of scissors and reached under her tongue and snipped the little piece of skin. And she screamed. She screamed, but... <laughs> <laughs> but after that, my goodness, you could she could suck down a bottle in about a minute. <laughs> but she was always her daddy's little girl and grew up to she be still is. six foot one and a basketball player in college. And, and yeah. then when she was about three years old, I wasn't feeling good. And something just wasn't right. And what was it? I was pregnant. <laughs> and I remember I told Rich, I said, I'm pregnant. And he says, I don't believe it. And I was three months pregnant. Yep, and you were. And that was our miracle child. Yep, Houston. Carson came up, came about... Uh, 16 months later. Yeah, 16 months later. And all three of those children are so different from one another, but they complement each other. They do, and they all came from you. And you. (laughs) These interviews were recorded at StoryCorps, a national initiative to record and collect stories of everyday people. Excerpts were selected and produced by Utah Public Radio. Support for StoryCorps on Utah Public Radio comes from Dixie Regional Medical Center, located on two campuses in St. George, serving northwestern Arizona, southeastern Nevada, and southern Utah. Information at dixieregional.org. This is KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, and KCEU Price, KUSU FM HD1, Logan. Winner of the Works Cupcake Wars, Janelle Brown started her cake decorating business with three children under the age of four, a three-month cake decorating class at a local craft store, and a passion for creativity. Today on The Zesty Garden, we'll talk with Ms. Brown about her recently published cookbook, One Sweet Cupcake. You'll learn what she did to win the $10,000 prize of the nationally televised Cupcake Wars, and she'll give her advice on all aspects of cupcake baking. Also on the program is journalist, beekeeper, and Providence resident Nancy Williams with her petals and prose reading from If Mountains Die, a New Mexico memoir. If gathering pinion pine